Enjoy a walkthrough of the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery's exhibition, Surreal Landscapes, with exhibition curators Danny Lacey and Rosie Weiss. MPRG director Danny Lacey and artist and co-curator Rosie Weiss take us through Surreal Landscapes, a group exhibition that explores the way artists position subtle, strange, absurd and dreamlike interventions within the landscape, abstracting and shifting our reading of it. Find out more about the works in this show by artists including Hayley Miller-Baker, Nadine Christensen, Peter Clancy, Emily Ferretti, Tara Gilby, Philip Hunter, Rafat Ishak, James Newitt, Emma Phillips and Christian Thompson AO. Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery acknowledges and pays respects to the elders, families and ancestors of the Boonarong Boonarong people who have been the custodians of this land for many thousands of years. We acknowledge that the land on which the MPRG is located is the place of age-old ceremonies, celebrations, initiation and renewal and that the Boonarong Boonarong people's living culture continues to have a unique role in the life of this region. Hi everyone, my name's Danny Lacey. I'm the gallery director at the MPRG. I'm also the curator of the Surreal Landscapes exhibition, which is currently on display at MPRG in winter 2021. I'm joined by Rosie Weiss, who's the co-curator of this exhibition. Hi, Rosie. Hi, Denny. Thanks for joining me today to undertake this exhibition tour, a walkthrough of the Surreal Landscapes exhibition to give people who can't get to Mornington or who just would like to hear our take on this exhibition through this audio tour. So, welcome. Looking forward to sharing with everyone our thoughts on the amazing works in the Surreal Landscapes exhibition for the next sort of half an hour, 40 minutes. The first thing you see as you walk into the gallery is this huge image, a seven metre wide projected image of James Newitt's powerful video work, I Go Further Under, which James made in 2017-18. It's a beautiful, powerful video work. It has an amazing surround sound element to it that really captures the beautiful images that we're seeing. Rosie, what do you think about this work? How does it make you feel? Well, I feel like this piece really sets the scene for the whole show and some of the sound is so powerful that the sound itself is the thing that really gives a sense of surreal landscape for me as you walk in. But the film that talks about our experiences of wanting to escape from daily life in a way and uses the original true story of Jane Cooper when she left Melbourne as a 17-year-old in the early 70s and went down to DeWitt Island. And James Newitt has taken that story and reimagined it with the most extraordinary footage. So you find yourself at the beginning of the film on a very rocky boat and almost feeling seasick. So it's a really interesting introduction to the show as you walk into this film. The film goes for an hour, so it's quite an immersive introduction to the project. So people can sit down and, and watch the whole film or they can come and watch 10 minutes, they can walk through the space. 
you can't avoid it. It's a big projection in the middle of the gallery. So you have to sort of walk through it or be engaged by it. It's quite a fascinating story, really. It's an amazing story, really, and one that has created all kinds of questions as well. You know, you, in the film there are letters and I don't know if they're the original letters or if James has imagined the letters of people wanting to join... Jane on the island, assuming that perhaps she'd like that. And it brings all these sorts of questions up and questions about survival and by escaping ordinary life, you're setting yourself up to be in a dangerous situation, getting lots of attention, etc. But more than all of those things for me, walking in to the space, it's an overpowering film and it immediately immerses you in the Australian landscape and the landscape of that part of Australia, the very southernmost tip almost that you could go to. Well, it is actually, isn't it? You can't go any further than Dewitt Island. And so it's an interesting thing, you know, people normally go north and so this is a fascinating idea to go south and to be so isolated and to choose to be so isolated. But it's so the filming is so beautiful that you then have this kind of feeling and knowledge of the Australian landscape as you then move into the rest of the show. So that's quite a nice thing as well. Yeah, it's quite a nice starting point in a way to be introduced to the show through this quite powerful work. I think the representations of the landscape in surreal landscapes are very contemporary representations through many different lenses. They're not just capturing the landscape through one sort of heroic point of view. They really are quite diverse representations. Yeah, they're looking underneath, around, through. Yes, I guess he does set us up for the heroic, in a sense. But you're right, it's a lot more than that, the rest of the show. Yeah, I think there's an amazing depth to all of the works in the exhibition. And they really show a different side of the Australian landscape. There's a couple of other works in the gallery that you first walk into some smaller works, two beautiful gouache works by Philip Hunter, which are really stunning. They're quite small scale. They're about 30 centimetres by 20 centimetres. They're really lovely little detailed gouaches and collages. It's quite nice to have these other works alongside the big film projection. But there's a, a series of small black and white photographs by Tara Gilby, which are quite stunning, these very small photographs. They're all different sizes, but they're about sort of 10 or 15 centimetres um, by sort of 10 centimetres each. And they're all pinhole images that have been taken down at Point Nepean on the Moynton Peninsula while Tara was doing a residency down there at Police Point. And they're quite beautiful images. They're a mixture of pinhole images that either have a black background or they've been reversed, so they have a sort of white background. But they're quite gorgeous little images, aren't they, Rosie? It feels almost like a little constellation of stars or something, but they're actually images of plants mostly, trees. But the pinhole has made them almost feel like eyes, like your little things. They're kind of looking at us too, rather than us looking at them. They're a lovely little piece and an introduction to her larger works, which are in the next space. And yes, I like the black and the white and the reverse. These are gorgeous little group of works. We're actually going to be walking clockwise around the exhibition, which 
seems to be the way that I read exhibitions is in a clockwise manner. The show itself is actually, there's quite a lot of photographic works on display. There's a number of paintings as well, but it's really interesting how the show has evolved to be quite photographic and yes, filmic. Yes, Which probably is a good lead-in to um, Peter Clancy's work, which Rosie and I are standing in front of. A really powerful, beautiful series of works by Peter. We're actually looking in one of the sort of corners of the big gallery space and Peter's work is made up of three framed photographs. They're quite large scale, actually. They're about a metre by almost a metre and a half wide, quite large scale. But there's a beautiful background, which is a coloured wallpaper of these landscape images that the three framed photographs are sitting on top of. And there's a beautiful horizon line that runs through the middle of the wallpaper and also the photographs that sort of lines up it's a really beautiful series called Undercurrent and these works are part of a much larger project that Peter's been undertaking for a number of years. I love that horizon line and when I began to read about this work and discovered that the way that Peter's made them, that horizon line suddenly becomes a major point in the work for me because she's cut the work and re-photographed the work on site using the same images in reverse and the very act of cutting it, she's talking about what's hidden and what's underneath. And including, of course, the background pieces, the same sort of wavy feeling. It really talks about hidden histories, hidden massacres that Peter's been researching and was horrified to discover had happened in landscape that she knew well and hadn't realised. So this work was, I think, funded by the Kiri Heritage Trust originally and has enabled her to go into the landscape and make this work and revisit these places many times over a couple of years. And you feel that deep knowledge of the space coming through. The physical photograph being re-photographed in the landscape. And so you end up with this amazing image that's sort of split where half of it is in focus, so the real landscape's in focus, and the photograph, which is being re-photographed, is blurred. So you have this amazing incision in the landscape with these two images coming together. And it's that blur that is so important in the work that talks about our knowledge of the past and all times. It's a fascinating piece. We come to two really stunning prints by Hayley Miller Baker. These images are just stunning, aren't they, Rosie? Oh, these images really surprised me. When I finally saw them in real life, I couldn't believe the detail. And I was very attracted to them and kind of drawn into them as images on a screen or on a page, but you actually can't see them unless, and I shouldn't be saying this, should I, but really, unless you actually stand in front of them, because the detail is extraordinary. And the detail is surprising. You can be lulled for a moment thinking that you're looking at a fantastical collage landscape and you can just be enjoying unpacking all the layers and suddenly see a small child and you don't really know if they're okay or not. Like there's just an edge to it, you know, standing on top of a tree stump or two tiny little koalas and it looks like there's nowhere for them to get down or there's nothing for them to eat. But 
it's surprising in the image because apart from that, there's just an extraordinary series of layers. So The images themselves are black and white and they're a bit like a sort of raw shard print in a way. The images are even on both sides and then there's some other details put in, but it's amazingly detailed when you start looking across the surface. The prints themselves are about a metre and a half high by probably 80 centimetres. They're really stunning. The title of this series is Even If the Race is Fated to Disappear, Neat, Mirroring, Before, Now, Tomorrow. And we have the number two and number seven images in that series on display. Haley is one of the leading contemporary artists at the moment. It's really great to see her practice develop and grow and be rewarded with a lot of success. A whole series of projects over the last few years talking about the survival of Indigenous peoples in this country. And she's an artist that I didn't know about, and so I'm very excited to have been able to see this work. Alongside Haley's two gorgeous black and white prints, we have two prints by Tara Gilby. Tara is an artist based up in Castlemaine, and Tara as we mentioned earlier, spent time down at the Police Point Artist-in-Residency down at Portsea. And these two images that we're looking at now, these photographic images, are solographs that were taken down at the Artist-in-Residence. So they're quite abstract images, abstract photographic images. They're sort of little universes to themselves in a way. They're quite stunning representations of the landscape. They have these marks that are made by light on the surface, there's a whole range of other abstract brush marks almost that have been painted with light that are seeping across the surface. What amazed me about these images was how long it took to make them. So these are images that have taken months or almost years to make. And so they're a recording of the night sky in a way that I've never actually seen before. And, and so all of the, the marks are, are the marks of weather and time and repeated movements of stars and so extraordinary things. It's like the actual throbbing heart of the landscape. It's really allowing the landscape to speak for itself in a way. Yeah. With sort of minimal interference over a long period of time. It's like a long dream or something. It's beautiful. Mm. Alongside Tara's two photographs, and heading on to the back wall now, is the large painting by Philip Hunter called Geosphere Number no. 5, which is from 2015. It's quite an amazing image. And it, Rose and I were talking earlier that it's sort of almost like the... Even though it's not centred on the back wall, it sort of acts as a centrepiece yes. of the works. It's weird. It glows. Mm. And everything seems to pivot off it. And it really surprised me. And I didn't know until it went up that it was going to do that. It's so fascinating what happens just by placing something up on the wall. And maybe it's all the layers of oils, but it, it does actually glow out. Mm. Yeah. And it has some beautiful blue areas at the base and the top of paint with this sort of quite abstract landscape in the middle. Sadly, Philip passed away in 2017. I never got to meet Philip, but yeah, I have a real affinity to his work and his practice. He grew up in the Wimmera of Victoria, which is very close to where I grew up. And just the way that he captured that landscape of that place 
has a real connection, I guess, to how I sort of view the landscape or read the landscape. I still have some memories of when I was about five years old, riding my BMX around this sort of, it was an abandoned BMX track actually on the edge of town up in Sea Lake. And I was all alone and it was sort of the sun was setting, it was sort of almost time to go home. But yeah, that sort of feeling in the landscape, this slightly uneasy feeling of being alone, being a young boy, the colours in that landscape, being up deep in the Mallee, has resonated with me today in a way. Those thoughts have always stuck with me of my experience of being quite young and being in the landscape on my own. There's something about growing mm. up in the middle of nowhere as well in these small country towns that I've always been interested by and wanted to explore. But yeah, Philip's painting is just stunning. There's so much detail when you get up closer, so many smaller brush strokes. And, and beautiful passages, aren't they? Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. But he's also talking about what's underneath too, in a sense. The sort of geological kind as well. Mm. Yes, I don't know how he's created this inner glow. It's yeah. a very interesting work. Yeah, and I think Philip's a really fascinating artist in the way that he translates his understanding of the landscape and his experience of the landscape in these beautiful paintings. Reading about the way he made these works and the vast amount of drawing that he does before he starts working on paintings is interesting and the drawing comes through like all these linear lines come through in final works but yeah fascinating. We're just walking in front of Emma Phillips beautiful photographs now these photographs, there's actually two sheets of paper that make up the one image and the image is actually taken down at Fort Nepean, which is right down at Point Nepean, right at the end of the Point Nepean National Park and it's quite a stunning horizon line image. Curiously, it's on the western wall here and I really like the way that we're looking out at that view of the sea but we're also looking towards that point geographically. I like that feeling and I like that with the James Newitt film as well, that we are actually looking south as we look at the film. It's just a kind of nice feeling of location. Emma's work draws you in through some interesting framing devices that she's used. The horizon is not absolutely flat, it's staggered and, yeah, she pulls you down to the end of the space. On the top and the sides of the inside, looking out from the fort across Bass Strait, and the water is actually quite calm for, I guess, that ocean beach. I guess mm. one of the interesting things down at Point Nepean is that you get that amazing strip of land where actually the road, you can see the oh, ocean on one side and the bay on the other. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a magical yeah, little very. piece of land, isn't it? Yes. The next work along is a smaller photograph by Rafat Ishak, Melbourne-based artist. This photograph called Pulpit Point Eviction from 2017 actually featured in the MPRG's Coast Exhibition from a number of years ago. And it's really great to have this work back in the space within the Surreal Landscapes exhibition. It's quite an absurd image, this one. And the interesting thing about Raf's image is that it's based on this dinner party that he held down at the Police Point Artist-in-Residence Cottage. So the actual image itself, you see a sort of table set up ready to 
host this dinner party in a way with a stack of plates and some drinks and oddly stacked potatoes. But yeah, I guess the idea behind holding this dinner party was to create a forum for the discussion about the way the landscape was traditionally captured by some of the artists. So for example, uh, Nicholas Chevalier, within Raf's photo, there's a reproduction of one of Chevalier's paintings in the background. But yeah, I guess Raf was really interested in connecting Point Nepean and the forts down at the end of Point Nepean with Cape Shank and sort of pulling those two points together and sort of thinking about if Cape Shank was a fort as well rather than Point Nepean. And Raf talked a little bit about this idea of, I guess, engaging with Chevalier's vision of the Australian landscape as a mysterious and unknown place evoking this romantic wilderness idea but really ignoring the traditional ownership and use of the land. So it's quite an interesting and provoking image. It is and he's brought so many things into this one image. I mean we have a copy of a very well-known pulpit rock. It's an interesting mixture of things happening here. Yeah and again Raf spent time at the artist in residence and the actual photograph itself is taken within the artist-in-residence in in the studio down there. And I guess, yeah, there's a lot of different ideas that Raf was thinking about. Yeah, the potatoes on the table are quite unusual. You can see there's about to be a dinner party. There's a stack of plates and there's wine and a glass of beer and some cheese and some binoculars. It's quite an absurd image. I love seeing Barnaby, uh, Raf's son, with the, the huge blonde wig on and a cheeky grin on his face it adds to that sort of absurdity. There's, I guess within the exhibition, a lot of the images that capture the landscape are of the landscape. There aren't figures within them. There's a few works like with Raf's and just next to Raf's photograph to photographs by Christian Thompson and the film that have the characters in it. The two Christian Thompson photographs are both from 2008 But yeah, they're brilliant photographs. As we said earlier, they were taken in the Netherlands. They're about a metre by a metre, beautiful white frames. I think the dead as a doornail image is just fantastic. I think it's one of the sort of strongest Australian landscape images of the last sort of 20 years for sure, even though it was taken in the Netherlands. It's just an absolute brilliant image and it has so much sort of personal connection for Christian but it's really intelligently constructed. We see a central figure dressed in Scottish tartan. Even the shoes are in tartan. And there's an axe not that far from the figure. The figure is actually Christian um, himself. It's a very beautiful, chromatically dense image, isn't it? It's... Mm a luscious image and the little bit of reading that I've been able to find about this image talks about the possibility that he was talking about, you know, some of McCubbin's work, referencing it and therefore the Scottish tartan. But um, I really love the way he has constructed the little humpy and painted it bright red. And so when you see the image reproduced, it looks like almost a series of graphic lines or bit of spray painting but in fact he's actually constructed a space that you could climb inside it's a whole little world talking about absence in a way by placing it in the netherlands it's really fascinating Mm. it's 
great big sharp axe. It's um, a brand new looking axe and the scary axe, you know, it could do damage. It's very interesting, but there's this lightness and humour at the same time. It's mm. a fascinating mm. image. And it's set, the image itself is set within this sort of lush green woodlands, which sort of could be Australia, it could be sort of in a number of places around the world in a way. It, I guess it could be, yeah. And that happens again in the other image with the flowering spear. It's extraordinary. And again, it's a painted stick, but it's really graphically bisects the image, adding to the fact that he's wearing, I don't know, like an orange shawl that's extremely hairy. The most amazing outfit. Again, in that luscious, beautiful, dark forest environment. Yeah, a great series, of, I think, of Lost Together is the name of the series. Um, yeah, sort of, um, there's a sadness in there too. We're going to move on to three works by Nadine Christensen, three paintings just alongside Christian's two photographs that are all lined up in the middle of the main gallery wall with a beautiful white background. Two of them are a little bit bigger than the third, but they're quite lovely paintings, aren't they, Rosie? Oh, and surprising that the middle image has actually a rock attached to it, and it's a fascinating image, and it's the only actual object in the whole show. And by placing it on this northerly wall, we've actually been able to see the, the rock from quite a distance. It's kind of like an anchor point in a way. Another anchor point alongside the pivot of Philip Hunter's work. A really quite surreal moment in a sense. Surprising moment. But yeah, she's obviously very interested in natural phenomena. But Nadine's abilities as a painter enable her to play in a very relaxed way with imagery and she has all the abilities to make something totally realistic in the next second, really abstract, but really nice group of works. Rosa, we went up and met with Nadine in her studio and had a bit of a chat to her about her practice and her work. What did you take away from meeting with Nadine and, and the selection of these three paintings for the show? Well, it was a, a real treat, obviously, to be up in the studio with Nadine and to see, you know, both these these works and also the new things that are happening in there. Quite amazing, really, to wander in from the outside world into this little jewel, you know, all these marvellous things in there. I felt very drawn immediately to the stone piece, which is the only piece in the show that has an actual physical object. And then the other works seem in some ways more complicated, but this central piece is very quite dominant in a way and I think has a nice relationship to the Philip Hunter as well. So it's a nice movement around the room. Yeah, the large painting stone is quite a minimal work in a way. It has a very flat background with this painted, or has a 3D, it actually has a, a rock attached to the front of the painting and the painting itself is of that rock. So it's quite an interesting exploration of the landscape in quite a different way. Her ability to paint in so many different styles, sometimes almost within the same painting, is extraordinary. And 
even though it's a painting of the rock, it has some quite abstract qualities to it. It's a really beautiful image and you can kind of sink into it and float into that sort of blue background. It's a very beautiful image. I also like the links across the room with some of these works. There's a link to Christian's work in this piece as well as the image with the um, floating kite shapes. There's some nice reverberations around the room, but his bright orange humpy is almost kind of repeated in here. So, mm. Yeah, and we were talking before of the horizon line as well. A number of the works feature different horizon lines with Emma's work on the back wall and Peter's stunning photographs and even James's huge video work that has a horizon line that flips when they're out on the ship. The final work we come up to is a couple of large drawings by Emily Ferretti. Drooping Tree and Looming from last year, from 2020. Just pencil on paper drawings. They're about a metre 20 high by about 80 centimetres, which are situated on a big wall painting that Emily did especially for the show and to sort of locate these two drawings in. What do you think about this, Rosie? Oh, look, this was fascinating to watch Emily make this corner with such gusto, really. Yeah, the wall drawing is four sections, uh, a light grey square, a large dark blue square, and two more textural rectangles, which are a bit rougher and a bit more gestural. You can quite clearly see the brush strokes at play, um, which are really nice points on either end of the wall painting, which really activates this corner of the, the gallery. There's a really strong sense of playful quality to the work, isn't there? The two ends are so relaxed, it's amazing really. And there's a really nice connection with the drawings. There's a real merging in her work of the observed and the imagined. And it looks like she's just really enjoying making it. There's um, a real love of the medium too, of the pencil. You can see that it's been quite a lot of fun to make. You know, a lot of working back over the top. There's a great energy in the work. Kind of a sense of abandon and there's a connection to the inner child as well as it being a really sophisticated image. It's doing a few interesting things at once. Yeah, and there's a very sort of dreamlike quality to the drawings of the trees, the way that they are really sort of worked into and even the colours, the use of this sort of black and this pale green which really sort of jumps out. It's almost like a fluorescent green. They're gorgeous drawings, actually. They've got a lot of vigour and energy to them. I imagine it's hard to stop. Mm -hmm. And there's a really gorgeous energy coming through the work. An obvious, absolute love of the landscape as well and connection to it, but very different to everything else in the show. Mm, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Rosie and I as we walk around the Surreal Landscapes exhibition, which will be on display at NPRG until the 22nd of August. Thanks for listening to our walkthrough of the Surreal Landscapes exhibition. Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery is the region's major cultural facility and is supported by Mornington Peninsula Shire and other partners. Visit mprg.mornpen.vic.gov.au to find out about our latest exhibitions and events. <laughs>